0: and welcome to the Investment Week podcast, where we analyse the biggest investment news stories and speak to leading investors and market commentators about the most important issues on their minds. I'm your host, Hannah Smith. I'm the deputy editor of Investment Week. Investment Week has been the premier publication serving professional investors in the UK since 1995. You can find out more about us by visiting www.investmentweek.co.uk. In this, our March podcast, we're going to be discussing the biggest story of the month, which is, of course, the budget. George Osborne delivered the last budget of this Parliament on the 18th of March, and there were a few vote-winning measures in there, and a couple of surprises which weren't leaked ahead of the budget day. In what the Chancellor described as a budget which works for you, he made radical changes to the ISIS system, confirmed pensioners will be able to sell their annuities, and scrapped the dreaded annual tax return, which will certainly boost his popularity among some people. Joining us today to analyse the main changes announced in the Budget 2015 is David Stubbs, a global market strategist who works on the Markets Insights team at JP Morgan Asset Management. Thanks a lot for being here, David. Now, as usual, the Chancellor opened his speech with the Office for Budget Responsibilities Estimates for UK Growth and he covered the government's public borrowing figures shortly afterwards. What did those numbers tell us about the health of the economy compared to this time last year?
1: I think that the economy has performed above expectations and that's what uh, is clear throughout the, the figures that were pre- uh, presented in the budget, you know, that the, the economy is going faster, employment is up, that's helped reducing the, the welfare bill and it's making the, the public finances look stronger than, than we were expecting. That's obviously a, a happy message for the Chancellor to deliver.
0: And how did the market react to the Chancellor's speech? Do you think it was uh, convinced by those sort of upbeat messages?
1: Well, I, th- I think so. I mean, the, the the UK stock market did rise during the day; had a great had a great day. Um, but I think if if you look at the market reaction you know, to other things that happened in, in in the day, on the same day we had the labour market statistics, and they showed us that wage growth is not as fast as uh, as we were hoping it would be, and the currency fell on on that news, and that was actually the news that moved the currency more than the budget. So I think, you know, although we want to analyse what's, what's going on in the budget, really I think markets are focused on, uh, you know, the health of the economy and the labour market and what that means for Bank of England policy. And the market moves on that day actually show me that's a bigger focus than what they actually chance to have said.
0: Some of the measures around uh, pensions and uh, ISA savings would have an impact obviously on some of the biggest providers in the market. Uh, We saw Hargreaves Lansdowne and St James's Place shares rise quite uh, significantly on the day uh, that the speech was delivered. Are there any other segments of the market that might benefit from some of those measures that uh, Osborne announced?
1: Well certainly there was an awful lot about uh, savings in this budget um, following on from what happened uh, 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 last year. Uh, On top of that we did get the measure to help um, help the extraction industry and the oil industry, uh, you know, up in Scotland. Obviously, dealing with those low, with those low prices uh, there, and that's and that's something that we that we need to see because the, the move has been so violent that it really does uh, affect uh, employment and, and, and output in uh, in that industry. Uh, you know, in, in general, though, this budget I think was fairly light on on a, on a lot of the uh, compared to what we usually get. Uh, obviously, the election up, upcoming means that the the chancellor didn't want to change too much.
0: Um, Although, I mean, obviously they've been well flagged in the autumn statement, it was revealed that there was going to be uh, these quite wide-ranging changes to the pensions market. Mm. Um, What do you think the implications of this shake-up are um, for the sort of financial sector as a whole?
1: Sure, I mean, these changes uh, have been radical and the pace of change is one concern i mean the industry is scrabbling to, to try and work out what to do and what and what products to offer yeah. uh, individuals it's not surprising that the people of of the country also are struggling to keep up with um, you know all the changes there i think that, that there's a theme of uh, of giving people greater freedom over their over their um, uh, their savings, but with that freedom, with that right comes responsibility. And you know, I think the jury is still out about what people are going to do in this new world where they have all the, uh, these choices and these freedoms, but still face the risks um, that that have been growing um, you know every day in terms of longevity. You know, people live longer than they think. The market risks uh, that we face, you know, equity markets globally have come a long way bond yields are very, uh, are very low. And we're placing a lot of tra- uh, trust and faith uh, upon individuals, you know, people who have you know, busy lives and, and you know, maybe not the, uh, the level of understanding that, that they would like on these issues to plan and make these key decisions um, you know, about about their, about their future. And I think that really that there's a, you know, there's got to be a concern there about what that means for the long term health of the country and what it means for the retirement security of individuals.
0: You mentioned there the pace of change. I think that's true. A lot of the messages we've been hearing from commentators is that there's been a too much tinkering with the pensions market on a large scale all at once, and they really need to give some time for these changes to bed in. Um, but could, it, it, assuming that the Conservatives didn't get in in, uh, um, in the next elections, could another party simply come in and reverse all those changes that Osborne's put in motion?
1: Well, I mean, of course, you know, nothing is forever in, in, in policy, pretty much, and you could reverse it. But I think that that would firstly worsen the the, the issues that we've been talking about mm. about you know all these changes and people scrabbling to to uh, to, to keep up uh, with uh, what politicians are, are doing. And of course, in any policy area, uh, when you give people more freedom and choice, it's very hard to take it away again. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't think. That the direction of policy would be materially changed by a new uh, a, a new government if it was of a different uh, political persuasion, um, but that doesn't mean that the policy mix we've got right now is as clear as it it could be, or even is is optimal. Um, and potentially, you know, we need to think about how to ensure that people don't run out of money, even if they have made responsible choices in terms of how much they've saved and invest and then uh, where they where they uh, put their retirement money. Um, there are still risks that they run that it's very hard to control and there is a danger that we get uh, people getting to the latter years of their life where, you know, costs do rise, especially medical bills, um, and they don't have the money to fund it.
0: On the pension side, though, has there been a bit of a mixed message there? Because obviously the government's really pushing, you know, this is a budget for savers, we want to encourage people to, you know, put enough away for their retirement but then they've mm. at the same time reduced the lifetime pensions allowance so almost they're saying we want you to save but not too much
1: sure uh, I think they, they did they trimmed the lifetime pension allowance down to a million I believe it From was million exactly million to down 1 million, to yeah. one million and you know, yeah. I think that is, it doesn't affect a huge amount of households, there is still a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I think by any regard, if you have a million pounds saved, then your retirement is fairly fairly secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think that, I don't, don't think that's, that was too bad you know, and too contradictory to what they're, they're trying to get people to do in terms of, of saving. But I think there is this um, dichotomy between the accumulation phase, when we're all when we're working, we're saving. And what we do uh, in the deaccumulation phase after you've retired, mm-hmm. and how is the money I- invested, and how do people plan for that? I think the really radical things are happening in that phase, uh, you know, of uh, you know, of uh, the kind of you know, everyone's lifespan, um, and that's where I think some of the big uncertainties lie about where policy is going to, going to be, and is it going to deliver retirement security for the UK?
0: So, looking forward to the general election. Um, obviously, this is a big issue for investors. Um, we are looking at another hung parliament, potentially quite an uncomfortable coalition, um, and the the level of uncertainty and the run up to that could impact the market. Do you think how much additional risk do you think there could be for investors um, ahead of the of the election in May?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think this is a, a significant issue for you know, for investors in in a couple of ways. I mean, firstly. Um, the potential uncertainty in if it's, it is a hung parliament and there's you know, uh, you know some weeks of of horse trading that could often uh, lead to some volatility in markets. So something I think that people need to look through uh, and realise that you know we have a stable, mature democracy that is going to d- deliver uh, you know, some type of credible government. It may take a little while, um, but obviously out there you do have I think two other major issues. One is it doesn't matter who really is in charge. I think that we're going to see quite a, a significant uh, fiscal squeeze on the country in, in in coming years, I think that could uh, reduce the need for higher interest rates, and that could put pressure on the currency. And of course, you know the the, the issue about the EU referendum. I, I think that they've got the the kind of mechanical you know uh, you know problem where foreign direct investment is very important for this country, and and, and I don't see how it can't hurt the, the the FDI flows to question whether we're going to be in the EU. And then I think almost a psychological. Um, you know, kind of investment sentiment issue about the attitude towards sterling assets. I think that if we question, um, you know, our future in the EU, I think we cut at the heart of our economic identity, and a lot of international investors will look at us. I uh, think with a great deal of suspicion about our economic management, the choices we're making, not just about our economy but our society and our culture. Are we going to be outward looking and accepting of of uh, you know, foreign influence and foreign investment uh, anymore as we have been? I think that that maybe could lead again to some pressure on sterling.
0: Great. Thank you very much for that. Thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure. I'm now joined by Investment Week's Deputy News Editor Anna Fedorova to discuss in a bit more detail the implications of some of the headline changes we saw announced in the budget. One of the main changes George Osborne is making... um, is to the freedoms around pensions, including the ability for pensioners to sell their annuities.
2: What are the potential problems with this plan? Um, Well, the thing with annuities is um, there's no... um, The government hasn't really um, said what the rules are around the advice that um, people will... Um, receive when doing this and uh, a number of prominent organizations have called for um, the government and the fca to um, introduce some sort of consumer protection so for example kpmg has recently um, said that maybe there should be some consumer protection that's similar to equity release rules for example um, which basically state that all Uh, firms advising um, on selling equity or or selling equity release schemes are regulated by the FCA um, must offer advice to customers. Um, And the government is actually now looking at um, making this advice compulsory when selling annuities as well. Um, So this would potentially get around that problem. Um, But um, um, another issue that um, people have been talking about is um, how popular will this in fact actually be? Will people really... Um, take advantage of this um, and recently um, came CEO Martin Davis said um, that he, he thinks that the suspension reform will be a damp squib. He, he, he His guess was that actually only between 10 and 30 percent of all retirees will act on the freedoms in any meaningful ways. Um, so these are the kind of worries around um, the implications of the new rules. For those people that do
0: want to take advantage of these changes, what do you think product providers will need to do um, to meet their changing needs? Some, You know, this is the first time they've been able to do this. Um, what kind of maybe new products can we expect to see and could we see maybe quite a big benefit for multi-asset income funds for example?
2: So yes, that's one of the areas that we've seen already quite a lot of expansion in. Um, A number of groups have launched multi asset income funds, for example. Uh, Newton, BlackRock, sort of the big guys have taken advantage of this. And they obviously expect a lot of money to go into these funds. But opinions are divided around this as well. Some people, including, for example, Martin Davies from Kames think that there's not really going to be as much inflows into these funds that people are expecting. Also, it's not just this multi asset income area that may see some launches. I mean, other people, for example, Ben Seager Scott from Best Invest have suggested that there may be other solutions around drawdown and target dated funds. But he thinks um, that this is more of an issue for financial planners rather than fund managers and wealth managers. So there's a question around who will benefit the most and who will need to respond to this the most within the industry. George Osborne announced very wide-ranging changes
0: to the ISA system in the last budget. What are the new rules there and what drawbacks could
2: there be with these changes? Um, so the new rules include more freedom around taking money in and out of ISAs, um, which now does not affect the overall ISA allowance. But um As we have written on the day of the budget, this doesn't actually include stocks and shares ISAs. And one of the biggest changes announced, I suppose, was the new help to buy ISA, which has sort of been the main topic of conversation. And that is basically the idea of that is to help first time buyers. So for every £200 that a first-time buyer puts into this ISA, the government will put in £50, so essentially 25% of that. So it's essentially a tax cut and they will provide up to 3000 for each person to save up for, for a deposit. One of the problems highlighted with that is that these people are not able to put money into the stocks and shares ISA, so um, they will have to keep it in cash, which means that they don't get the capital appreciation, especially in the environment that we're, we're in now. And Of course, it could cause property prices to rise even higher, which have already been sort of reaching almost bubble territory, especially in London. So that's another thing that people are a bit worried about. Now, one of the other things that the government is um, considering is allowing crowdfunding to be included into ISAs. So um, that would be sort of equity crowdfunding vehicles. And this is something that industry professionals think could be a bit of a danger um Hargreaves Lansdowne called it the wild west of investing obviously the consultation is still ongoing so um there's no definitive answer on that but that's something that maybe people have to be careful with um if they don't really know exactly what they're investing in
0: that's all we have time for
2: today we'd love to hear your comments
0: and any ideas you have for future podcasts um, especially if there are any particular topics you think we should cover you can contact me via email at hannah.smith@incisivemedia.com. at thanks for listening